Welcome to the Granite Gals podcast. This is the podcast where we interview female hikers who hike the right mountains. I am Alexandra Her, And I am Sage Her. We are 14 and 12-year-old hikers who have been hiking the 4,000-footers since we were little. We have done the 4,000-footers, the 52 with the view, trail rights, and many other mountains. The opinions that we personally express in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our interviewee or of any organizations we may mention. Hello, everyone. Today, we're interviewing Professor Mary McGarry, a white mountain hiker. She is the chair of the Department of Environmental Science and Policy at Plymouth State University. Also, she has finished her 4Ks. Welcome to Granite Gals. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm thrilled. Talk with you all. Yeah, me too. When did you start hiking and why do you like to hike? So I started hiking as a young girl growing up in Colorado. We had some friends um, that lived across the street from us in Denver. Unfortunately, they had this cabin and they let us use the cabin because they lived in Kentucky. And so I hiked with my brother. I did my first backpack trip when uh, I was nine and he was 11. It snowed on us. It was crazy. But um, yeah, so I love to hike like really ever since then. And then I did a freshman trip in college. I went to Dartmouth College, and I, that was the first time I hiked, did a backpack trip in the Whites, and I love that. So, you know, I've just been interested in hiking since I was a young girl. Mm, that's cool. So why do you like to hike? I like to hike for a bunch of reasons. I like, I discover, like, new aspects about myself in terms of just my physical conditioning. Um, I love just getting that kind of a workout because it's always varied. I like making observations about uh, my surroundings and plants, animals, birds, organisms. Uh, So it's always a learning experience. So have you finished your 4Ks and what is your favorite 4K? Okay, so I didn't hike most of the time since I moved to New Hampshire, which was in 2004, because I had a daughter and she just did sports year-round, and we went to all of her tracks meets and Nordic races and um, field hockey matches, and so I was. We were just always doing following her sports, and I was kind of thinking, ah, I'd like to be hiking, but you know, I I was so thrilled to do that right. for her, and I knew she was only going to be young once. And then in the summers, we went to this cabin we have a um, in Maine. A, a, a cabin on a lake. So we spent summers there since we bought the cab- cabin in 2000, 2000. Yeah. So when she went away to college, I was like, okay, this is the chance. So <laughs> I started hiking every weekend that I could every day. And now if I don't hike, it's like, oh, something's wrong with this weekend. I didn't get in that endorphin <laughs> rush, you know, and I like yeah. that feeling. Um, so once I started hiking the 4,000 footers, which was, she's, she's a senior in college. So really kind of four years ago, um, leaving out travel and summer stuff because I still was going to Maine. I finished last January on Owl's Head, which is the long hike. Um, <laughs> and I was nervous about doing it in winter, but I went with somebody who's on the search and rescue team. He'd hiked it like 25 times because he's a idiot. So I thought, well, I really couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't be in better hands, except for that he was like a machine. He didn't stop. He didn't need to eat. He didn't need to rest. Oh. And I had brought like three bottles of Prosecchio to celebrate. I carried them up the mountain and down the mountain because I kept thinking, oh, we've got to get out. we got to keep going. we got to get out before dark. And so finally in the parking lot after that, I drank one, you know, and I should have just left him in the car the whole time. I mean, he was fun to hike with, but I realized that I slowed him down and he was getting cool. And I so I'm careful now in the future about you know, who I hike with, because yeah. I don't want to, um, he was very nice about it, and it was fine, but 
I realized in retrospect that, um, yeah, he didn't expect me to be so slow or something. Mm. And it's not like we stopped, we kept going, but he's just like runs practically. Anyway. Yeah, it sounds like a challenging last. Yeah, it was. Uh, it one was. To on. <laughs> and I remember my daughter texted me because she knew I was doing it and she had wanted to be there. But I said, you know, this is my last opportunity. I got to do it. Because he was part of his grid. He had to finish it that day because it was the end of the month or something. I think it was the last day in December or something like that. And uh, she said, it was like, we've been hiking for two hours. And she said, are you are you out yet? And then <laughs> 10 minutes later, I was out. So I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> finally. Yeah, mm. we, we have a lot of um, owl's head ascents to do because it's just so long and often we just save it, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. we're doing the grid. Oh, you are yeah. too. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Well, and then I got turned back on it. Um, this summer because it was going to be my daughter's second to last peak and it was after all that crazy rain in July um. so we were and she was had done a whole loop so we were going to meet she was going to leave her purple bandana um, up where you start at the scree slope so she was coming from the Gale Head Hut and I was coming from Lincoln Woods so we had this plan to meet while I get to the river crossing I'm like oh no she's never I can't get across that she's not going to get across that how are we going to meet how am I going to find her and pick her up and bring her home and I'm just I thought well maybe I could bushwhack so I start bushwhacking and I thought oh no this will take me way too long so I'm coming back and I just moved this branch and there was her face I'm like how did you get here she goes well I had the same problem coming from the north I hit this river crossing, so she she thought she worried about me thinking that I had to get across <laughs> the river to meet her. So she came down another way. She still had river crossing. She went in the woods, got a log to, you know, for three prong stability, ditched her pack, ran up where I was thinking that I would maybe do what I was doing. I had never been so happy to see her. And we just laughed and laughed like, what are the odds when I moved that branch and there wow. was your face? I was so happy to see her. It was so funny. Uh. So we didn't, get, we didn't do it. And so then we, she had to do it another time. And, and because I dreaded it, because everybody said, of all the 4,000-foot peaks, you're going to do that one twice. I'm like, yeah, I'm a dedicated mom, right? And then when we did it, it was so beautiful. In the summer with all the water, I didn't mind it at all. It was really nice. But the last three miles where it's flat... I did complain, so she told some friends. Yes. Yeah, she told some friends, and I complained. I'm like, don't say that. It makes it like sound like I complained the whole time, and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, the last, like, the flat miles in the beginning and then the end, yeah. you know, like when you're done the entire thing, yeah. and you're just walking for a long time yeah. on a flat part. It's just And so I, I thought, oh, we must almost be done. Then I'd see another 1.4 miles. I'm like, oh, you're <laughs> me. Yeah, oh, that was long. What lists or mountains besides the 4Ks have you hiked or are you working on? And what did you enjoy about them? Um, let's see. So, yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to be turning 60 this year. So I feel like, oh, man, maybe I should just retire to get in all this hiking. Um, so I've been hiking in the Adirondacks because my daughter's tr- trying to finish all the highest in the Northeast. And and she's doing, she's finished the New Hampshire peaks. Now she has seven left of the Adirondack 46. So I hope to be on the last peak there with her when she does that one. Although, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So I, I would like to do the... Fit, oh, so I'm doing the 52 with a view now. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. kind of going slowly, but loving that. And then I'd like to do... Make sure I've done the Terrifying 25, which I didn't realize. <laughs> My daughter told me about that, and I thought she was joking. She goes, no, there's a patch and everything. And then it's just so funny that... That then I realized that you guys were part of that or created that, yeah. and oh, that was yeah. So it's come full circle. That was a really nice revelation. Oh, I'm happy to hear you. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. And so um, I don't know when I told my nephew, 
that Sydney had finished her 4,000. He goes, well, I'll be impressed when you add 10,000 feet behind that 4,000, you know, for the 14,000 footers in Colorado. And I'm like, well, you know what? This elevation is about the same. You start at yeah. 10 there and do those. So I don't know. I'd li- I kind of like to do those, but I hear that it's so crazy busy now in Colorado with people doing mm-hmm. those. So I don't know. And then I heard like in like Nicaragua or something, there's all these 4,000 foot peaks. So who knows? Yeah, maybe I'll have to get some lists from you guys because I, I know you've done a bunch too. Plans for the future. Yeah, yeah. So where have you hiked in addition to the White Mountains? What was your favorite place to hike outside the Northeast? Okay, so last March, um, my daughter was studying in New Zealand. So I flew 35 hours. I mean, not flew 35 hours. It was 35 hours travel from when I left Plymouth, drove my car to Concord, got the bus, got the plane to... LA, did the layover, flew to, I think, Sydney, and then to Christchurch. So 35 hours, met Sydney at the airport, drove that night, we got in about seven, went to bed, and she goes, oh, I think we should do this peak, Avalanche Peak. I'm like, oh, all right, naively. And so I read a little bit about it and said, oh, your legs will be for, sore for four days afterwards. And I'm like, oh, no, not mine. I've been, <laughs> been hiking the 4,000-foot peaks. My legs are never sore the next day. So I get up, I go with her. And we climb, and it's 3,000 feet up, and it's very steep, very exposed, um, sheer drop-off. So it made, like, the knife edge on Katahdin seem kind of tame. Mm-hmm. And so then, it, and it was busy. Um, and it's the first mountain where, once you get above tree line, they have cairns, but then they have poles, too. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, we yeah, saw for that. avalanche, yeah. yeah. We saw that in Iceland. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah on the... Okay, yeah. I had never seen that before. I did hike a little in Iceland, but I'd never seen that before. So, and it, there were people coming along this one really sheer area, and so I stepped over to let them by because they made me nervous. I didn't want to hurry, and I started sliding. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, oh no. So then I was nervous the whole time I was up there. I was just grouchy. I wanted to get out of there. <laughs> but the coolest thing was um, the world's only alpine parrot. Um, was landed right in front of us up there and it's this beautiful green with when it does its wings like out there's orange on the inside of the chest so I was kind of fascinated watching the bird but I was just really nervous and then the clouds lifted and I could see all these glaciers and um, glaciated valley in the southern Alps it was spectacular it's kind of amazing it was amazing but and so we get down my legs were sore for four days. <laughs> just like they said. I'm like, why is this? Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, and people, like, she took this po- photo and passed it, I mean, posted it on Facebook, and everybody's like, man, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You're scaring us. I'm, I'm like, yeah, it scared me too. <laughs> anyway, that was a great place to go to hike. You guys should go there. Yeah, it sounds When you get a chance, yeah. Yeah, but scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever experienced sexism directed towards you on the trail? You know, I, I saw that question and I thought about that, and I don't think that I have. And I, and I know as a mother, when Sydney has done solo backpack trips, I've kind of been worried about her, but she always ends up like in some wing too, and there'll be all these different other males all ages, and she has the greatest experience, and she gets inspired by them. So I thought, okay, I'm not projecting my, my fears on her. Um, and yeah, so she's strong. So I, I, you know, I really haven't. I have an academia, but I haven't hiking. And maybe that's why I like hiking, because I feel like if you're out there and you're prepared, there's a little bit of measure of respect with that. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. So tell us about your most memorable animal encounters on the trails. Okay, so probably 
Um, it was that Kia bird because it was just this parrot on the top of this mountain with snow. And the amazing thing about these birds is they're very threatened, endangered, totally illegal to feed them. They kind of remind me of the jays here that everybody gets all excited about. Gray jays. Yeah, the gray jays because yeah. they land on your hand. But it's made me super conscious about the problems of feeding native wildlife. So there, New Zealand does a great job of educating the public. They have signs posted everywhere. And they made me so fervent about it that when I saw this kid eating something, I wanted to say, who's who fed that bird? But somebody said, oh, somebody dropped some food and he got it. And I'm like, uh, okay. But um, they're, so they're so threatened. Uh, like introduced mammals to the island, like cats and weasels have been problematic because they nest um, in holes in the ground. So they're vulnerable that way. They're vulnerable from diseases that, that humans spread from our foods. And so they're doing a lot of monitoring for them. Uh, so I'm, I'm just really conscious about that. And so Cynthia and I are writing an article, and she did all the beautiful photography for this new magazine called Senior Hiker, because they said they might, they would be interested in publishing something like that. So I, you know, I thought it'd be fun to do a mother-daughter um, written piece. And then we, we saw them a bunch more times. And then one night when Sydney was off on a backpack trip, they ripped her tent fly apart. They're, they just go after rubber, like on your car. They try to destroy stuff. They're very aggressive. So yeah, they're kind of an amazing yeah. creature. It's interesting. Mm. Do you prefer hiking solo or with a group of people? I like doing both because when I'm solo and I don't have anybody to talk to, I'm really focused on my surroundings. So I notice things like new fungi. I'm trying to learn different um, mushrooms. And well, but I recently went on this hike with this group that they called it a crop walk, communities raising awareness for poverty. And Steve that owns the Mountain Wanderer sort of organized it. And he's been doing it for 29 years. And so we had some of these people, and it was interesting because for the first time I was the youngest person on a hiking trip. Um, <laughs> but these people were also knowledgeable, and they just took their time. And we didn't do any summits. We just did all these unique places in Waterville Valley, like the, um, the flume of Waterville Valley. I don't know if you've ever been back there. I had never been back there. It's got these sheer walls. Oh, and we sure. went to the scour, um, with this rocky outcrop up there. And on the way up, there was this incredible tree with bear claw marks that I would have <laughs> not noticed but That's they cool. you know they pointed it out and we they just stopped to talk about everything and then w when we were all done hiking they were sending emails about this, the different kinds of lichen and just all this information I'm like oh I love hiking with these people I'm so <laughs> glad to get to know them so and to do this crop walk so we were raising money for poverty and and people that are starving and some of the money goes to the communities in northern new hampshire so that felt like a really good cause to do that and so they said well maybe this will be our last i'm like no no this is i'm just joining don't make this be the last so i was really honored um to be included and i thought that might be how you guys one of them told you about me and maybe that's why you got interested in me for this podcast I don't know it was all coincidental because it just happened so what's next do you have any specific hiking related plans for the future uh well I talked about that a little bit and I just really um I enjoy hiking with my daughter even though she's a lot faster than I am um so I hope to do more with her I would like to do and I know you guys have done this I'd like to do the Camino 
uh, maybe from Lisbon up to Spain. Um, I'd also like to do some hiking on the island of the Shetland Islands, which is between Scotland and Norway, because I have a real strong interest and background in geology, and I heard there's just amazing uh, sort of geologic formations there that are ice-carved. And then there's like some 14,000-year-old settlement site or something, a yeah. UNESCO site. I'd like to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, yeah, anywhere I go, I'd like to do some more hiking. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. I did the, um, the Cinque Terre in um, Italy, and I did that by myself, and I, it was a great experience. I met somebody, and we just hiked the whole day together, and then went our own ways, and uh, that was just beautiful. I'd love to do something in Italy. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah. A, I recommend that. It's really nice. Yeah, I definitely recommend doing the Camino. It's, yeah, it's okay. Amazing. So you got yeah, you guys. And how long did it take you? Um, it's about a month. Yeah, okay. a month, month a week. Yeah, well, we were yeah we were younger then. We'd probably do it faster. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would love to do that. So did you meet some good people? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we I had bet. like a little bubble. Yeah. Yeah, fun. yeah. We're still Facebook friends with. A few <laughs> oh, you did. Too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and I wanted to tell you, too, because um, I was thinking, well, you really should interview my daughter because she motivates me. She does these amazing hikes by herself, but she ended up um, writing this grant to finish hiking the 4,000-foot peaks. She had to write a budget. She got, like, hiking guides and gas and food, and she stayed with one hut. I said, everybody's like, you're kidding. You got a grant to hike? And she, she has to give a presentation to her outing club. Um, and that's all she had to do. So now she's, uh, so now she's working. Oh, then she got paid to do the end of the Appalachian Trail to end at Mount Katahdin because she worked for camp and led girls. And I'm like, oh, Sydney, she's got, she's figuring this out. I wish <laughs> I'd done this at that age. Yeah. So you guys would like her kindred spirits. It seems like. Yeah, it'd be great to interview. Yeah. Mm. So uh, here are some questions unrelated to hiking, unrelated to hiking that we ask everyone on the podcast. Um, so what do you do for a living? And you can talk about this like as much as you want. Okay. So I was thinking about my interest in environmental science and policy because, of course, I'm interested in um, the natural resources and taking our students out uh, from Plymouth State University to kind of fall in love with the natural environment so that they'll get to know it and then they'll want to protect it and then that they'll transfer that stewardship ethic to wherever they live in the future. And my most recent um, exciting endeavor is, because PSU has the ski deal at Cannon Mountain, I was up there like for $5 you can ski. And so I went and I saw the big map and I saw these yellow marks on the map where they talked about monitoring for the big nails thrush. I said, well, I know that's a bird, but who else would know that necessarily? And what are they doing? And why don't they tell us? And so I started, I thought, well, we need a brochure, create a brochure to have on the tram so all the tourists that go up can know that about the bicknell thrush. And so it's this rare bird that um, there's, it's very rare. They just looked at listing it as threatened and endangered and they just, you know, they, it didn't make the cut. I don't know all the politics, but my goal is to make it like the next icon to replace the old man of the mountain, which is a pretty strong statement since I'm a geologist switched for a bird. But I just think it's an incredible bird that it, they come, the birds move up from mostly the island of Espanolo, where Dominican Republic and Haiti are co-located, and then they come to the Adirondacks, um, Baxter State Park, and the White Mountains has the biggest population. So I'm like, okay, here are all these hikers 
could know about this bird and appreciate and learn that it nests up here and then the babies get strong enough and then fly for the first time by themselves, figure this out from evolutionary programming. It's, I just think it's amazing. So, and it's not just about the bird, it's about all the issues of why the birds are so threatened on the island and what it what means for sustainable development because people need food so you can't say, well, you gotta prioritize this yeah. bird. So it's looking at reforestation projects, and so we launched this whole conference. We had a field trip this summer, and Canon donated the cost of the tram tickets, and we took New Hampshire teachers and enrolled in this graduate program and a contingent from the Dominican Republic together wow. up to see wow. the birds. And we, th- I thought, well, we'll just see the habitat. And and this was right after it rained. I'm like, oh, no, it's going to pour rain. <laughs> Nobody's going to show up. But we get up there. Um, we had this guy with us that had been studying the birds in terms of them being threatened by windmills. So they played their song and the birds came in. We saw the birds, we heard the birds, oh, so fabulous. And then we we all said, what do we think about this? And we had this multicultural exchange and we wrote about it. So then we, so that was the field trip. Then we had this film, then we had this conference. Now we're gonna have this exhibit. You guys are gonna go to this watercolor class. I'm so yeah. thrilled, yeah. Yeah, it sounds really yeah. Yeah. So now we'd like to do a trip down there and take the whole kind of all our awareness of new information, presentations, artwork, and exhibit it um, and have some sessions down in Creole, um, in Haiti is the language they speak kind of like a French and then in Sp- Spanish, um, the Dominican Republic side. So that's, yeah, so I got trying to get all my students interested and to come to the conference, go to the movie. Yeah, so that's where my work and my interest in hiking and the mountains really overlap. That's really yeah. amazing. Yeah, I yeah. think it's really important to like educate people about this bird and not only that, but you know, environmental conservation and protecting wildlife mm. in general. Yeah. yeah. So what's your favorite food? Lately, I've been really intrigued with eating local and uh, community subsidized agriculture CSAs and my daughter does that at college so when she came back for a break she brought me all these beets and carrots and uh, garlic and so I just like to roast them eat those fresh vegetables from locally grown places with, that are in season <laughs> I teach about sustainability so I, I'm really conscious about my food choices and transportation choices all right. of that yeah, makes sense. Um, what's your favorite non-hiking related book? I recently um, have had my students reading in small groups all these different books about like the secret life of trees and getting people to think about all the mycorrhizae that are in forests that are as important as the trees. People just think of these trees and they don't think of the whole ecosystem. And I had heard this incredible story about the acacia tree on the um, continent of Africa where when the giraffes eat the tree, the adjacent trees um, well, or that tree gives off these pheromones, like these chemicals that then somehow travel um, through the aerosol or through the atmosphere, and the other trees then start releasing something really bitter, so then the giraffes don't like to eat the leaves on their trees, so it's like trees communicating with other trees, huh. wow. you know, like kind of through a perfume or a pheromone, <laughs> That's interesting. and so I just thought that we have a lot more to learn about trees than <laughs> we ever have thought, so I've, I've been reading these books about trees, there's a whole bunch Secret Life of Trees and is one of them. So if you could either fly or be invisible, which one would you choose and why? Oh, I, I absolutely, it's an easy answer. I'd just definitely like to fly. 
you yeah. know, <laughs> get a bird's eye perspective. I mean, that's why I like hiking is because I like learning New Hampshire geography and I like being on one peak and seeing the lay of the land and where what the, all the other peaks look like and then going up there and knowing with confidence, oh, that's there, those are those peaks and other people sort of start listening and I just kind of like having that just knowing the land. Um, and so if you could fly, oh my gosh, you could see some incredible things. I just saw this image of someone flying over Devil's Tower, which are all these columnar basalts. Um, it's like an old volcanic neck. And it, everybody commented on this picture because they had a drone that went up. And it was such a neat perspective. So definitely I'd like to fly. Yeah, I think yeah. I would like to Yeah, as well. I would like to. Yeah. Just like the sensation of flying, I think, would be mm. really nice. Yeah. yeah. And everything that you could see. Um, dogs or cats? <laughs> well, I, I love them both. I love animals. And I have a cat um, because I can leave a cat with, um, with food and water. And the cat can chase mice for exercise, so I don't have to <laughs> walk the cat. Not that I'm opposed to walking a cat. So, chips or popcorn? I just love smart food popcorn. It's like my travel snack when I'm driving. <laughs> I can just stuff a whole bag down in no time. Yeah, and, it's, good. and it's kind of low fat. So, I hadn't really thought about the ethics of eating corn because I think corn is a, this monoculture that is part of the industrialized food system, which I'm kind of opposed to having monoculture so I have to think about that more but I do love it so we'll see um let's see cheddar or swiss cheese uh you know what I, oh right you don't eat cheese no no but no I do actually see I'm not vegan yet because yeah. I, oh, okay. I do it I do eat eggs and cheese um and I but my favorite kind of cheese is saga which is kind of this blue cheese mm. um it's like a brie and blue cheese combined oh, oh man I love that that sounds amazing <laughs> and then I love a Jarlsberg which is kind of like a swiss so cheddar, no, forget cheddar. <laughs> okay. So if you had to pick one, summer hiking or winter hiking in the whites? Ooh. You know, I love summer I mean winter's so nice because you can fall and it's soft and you don't get hurt. And and I feel like it's less erosion on the trails. Uh, so I do I really do love winter hiking. I love um, I have those little hiking cramp hill sound hiking crampons that are really great. And I like um, I have micro spikes um, that I like, but I had I went up um, Cannon in April, and it was no problem going up. And then it had rained, and on the backside down Cannon was like this sh- wall of ice. And you know those bracelets that are woven, and um, and I thought, oh man, I wish I had one of those because I would hang it from a tree and lower myself. <laughs> and I got so stressed coming down that I didn't drink, and my Camelback froze up, and so I got dehydrated. Mm-hmm. I went to a play that night, and the campus, this norovirus was going around. So I think it was the perfect storm of being de- dehydrated and having that norovirus. So when I was leaving, I just passed out and fell down on the floor. Oh, and wow. everybody, I freaked oh, everybody no. out, and they called the ambulance. They thought I had a stroke. I refused to go with the EMTs. I just wanted to go home, and, it, you know, I just needed, as soon as I got, like, Imodium and, like, Gatorade, I was fine. Yeah. But so that kind of made me pause about winter hiking because I think April <laughs> April is the hardest month because you never know what it, you know it can be crazy Melting snow yes the ice yeah yeah <laughs> all that it's crazy okay well thank you for being here did we go way over 30 minutes no okay good no <laughs> the preservation of the environment is important if we want to continue having beautiful mountains to hike 
We strongly encourage you to donate to Union of Concerned Scientists, or UCS. It is an amazing organization that does important scientific research to help prevent negative effects of climate change. You can learn more about UCS and donate to their organization at ucsusa.org.